Hello, and welcome to the Onside Kick family. Our happy holidays to our listeners out there in podcast land. I'm your host, Ryan Van Bibber, NFL editor for SB Nation. With me today, as usual, as always, Danny Kelly and Stephen White. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Oh, awesome. All right. Are you, are you guys, are you all ready for the holidays? I am, definitely. Be nice. Ready as I'm going to be. Gus <laughs> about that. Oh, then it's Charles, Woods, Charles Woodson's last game in Oakland. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's obviously a fun storyline. That guy's been playing for so long. Such a cool career. Kind of a bummer that he's retiring. I guess it, he had to at some point, though. Yeah, he's been one of the more fun players to watch over the years, that's for sure. I mean, what yeah. he and Peyton Manning are the last players from that draft, or is Hasselbeck from that draft, too? Hasselbeck's from that draft, too, I think. All and all could be. Hassel, Hasselbeck's getting, Hasselbeck and Wood. Who'd have thought Hasselbeck and Woodson would be getting more playing time at the end than Peyton Manning? I know. That's crazy. But I will say this, um, you know, Charles Woodson, Maybe the most remarkable thing about his career is how infrequently he was ever hurt. Like he was healthy over the course of his career for the most part, and 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 consistently one of the best players in the league. So you know, I think it's hard, obviously, to match his uh, resume, mostly because you're never going to have another defensive player win the Heisman, probably. Yeah. But I mean, just all the other stuff too, man, has been phenomenal. But here recently, his body is starting to break down. Yeah. And I would bet more than anything, that's probably what influenced his decision. Because on Sunday, he kept having to come out the game kind of holding his shoulder or his arm. So uh, I wasn't even sure he would be able to play this week. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's too bad to see that. I mean, you know, obviously he's he's played a long time. I mean, it's not like we haven't seen the best of him but uh it, he, the longevity element's really interesting for woodson's career like you said i mean you look at the hall of fame guys that's the one kind of common theme among them you know whether whatever position they play there's just that longevity factor and that's kind of a rare thing in and of itself in the nfl you know especially at the safety position i feel like because that's a hard-hitting position you've seen a lot of guys have really short careers you know Typically. Yeah, because you're the speed those guys are playing at, you know? I mean, it's crazy. So, yeah, it's impressive. It's cool that he got named to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> he's had a good season, too, you yeah, know? It's not like of, he's just out there kind of on the farewell tour. No, he's had quite a few picks this year, so. I feel kind of bad for Hesselbeck. This was supposed to be like his champagne season. He's going to go be <laughs> Andrew Luck's backup. You know, get get one last good NFL contract under his belt before he hangs it up. Yeah. Uh, and sure enough, Andrew Luck gets hurt. Now he's got, like, every part of his body is injured, and he's also been sick. <laughs> now he's got to start He was again. a Chipotle victim. <laughs> really, was he? Yeah, when he got sick, like, I think it, for that Texas game. Yeah, yeah, early in the season, that he- Texas game, there was a tweet about the Chipotle and E. coli in the in the Seattle area, and he tweeted like, "See, I told you." <laughs> Gosh, yeah, he's had a rough one. He's had a rough go. Uh, did you see the comments from T. Y. Hilton this week about that? You know, he was kind of criticizing the Colts playbook a little bit. But it seems like part of the issue is they the playbook is maybe built for Andrew Luck's arm less right. than it is Matt Hasselbeck's arm. I don't know that Hasselbeck never had like. 
he never had like a cannon in the first place, you know? Right. And, you know, he's 40 years old. So they probably got to pare it down a little bit in terms of some of the, you know, deep shots or, or thread the needle type throws. Yeah. And he's not, I know that he's not like, I think Hasselbeck is not pushing the ball downfield though. I mean, I think that's probably what he, Hilton was getting at. It's like they're, they're working everything underneath, but they just can't push the ball downfield at all. Yeah. I'm just saying, can well, co- go ahead. Here's, yeah, here's the thing though. It, Hasselbeck admitted that that was the game plan. Mm. And so it, it, whether they are calling the routes or not, Hasselbeck basically said blatantly, he said, we thought this was a game where we were just clean on offense, no turnovers, move the ball, take, you know, not really take any shots yeah. that we could win this game. Now, the, uh, it's kind of surprising to me that more has been made about that comment because I know so many people who will feel like that's a very loser mentality on offense. Yeah. And I was just really surprised that people didn't even really focus on that and, and instead focused on T.Y.'s comments. Because, look, if they tell you not to throw it deep and you do what they say and you end up losing, well, should I see why T.Y. Hilton stepped up and said something. Because obviously that shit didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Well, and because of what Hilton said, that's always going to draw more. You know, that's an easy, easy story, too. It's like, oh, shit, he says the coach, he's calling out his coach. Yeah. It's like anytime anyone says we were outcoached. <laughs> yeah. And Hilton has this, you know, Hilton has the star power a little bit, too, to kind of get his comments out there. Yeah. But the Colts aren't out of it yet. They could still win the AFC South. Somehow, some way. <laughs> Crazy year, man. It really is. <laughs> AFC South, NFC East, and it's not just those two divisions. They were before the show, Danny, you were mentioned about uh about teams. Uh what would what did you say about the teams with the losing records? Well, I th- I saw a stat that said um there are fewer winning teams this year than I think in I don't want to say in NFL history because I can't remember exactly if that's what it said, but um, there's a crazy amount of teams with losing records this year. In other words, there's only like, well, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. There's eleven teams with winning records in the NFL right now. Oof. And I think last year there were fourteen at this time. And then I want to say that I think it, I think the tweet said that it was like the lowest of all time. So I mean, that kind of gives you an idea of the kind of weird like top heavy feel this season has, you know, there's like, you know, 15 to 20 teams that are all like <laughs> five, six, seven wins, you know, out of it and out of it too. I mean, that's what you take away when you take away the playoff, the, you know, the every man for himself kind of playoff push at the end of the season. It always kind of waters it down a little bit because people don't get us up for the games. They've got other right. stuff to do and <laughs> don't want to get hurt. Yeah. And then you get the primetime games that were scheduled back in August on the assumption that, you know, the Colts would win the NFC, the AFC, <laughs> and, exactly. you know, that's why I hate making those predictions in August. Cause it's like, I look back at the year I had the, like I had the Falcons <laughs> winning the AFC. I think it was two years ago. It was one of those fabulous Mike Smith coach teams. And I don't know why I thought the Falcons could win the NFC championship. <laughs> Ever since then, that's sort of been like my association with making predictions in August. But you got to do it. It's the business. 
Yeah. There's, I mean, there's so many teams that are, like, just not as good as I think anyone thought they'd be. You know, like the Ravens, the Lions. Um, I mean, you could go down the list. The Cowboys obviously had injuries and everything. Dolphins. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dolphins, Dolphins Two heads on the side. And you know, if any of the teams that are going to fire their head coach or replace them, the Dolphins will fuck it up the worst. Maybe, well, maybe not with the exclusion of the Browns, I guess. But yeah, but it's been, it's been. We'll see what point. happens. I, they might as well just bring back Dave Wanstead at this point. Um. Well, speaking of the playoff race, the Giants kind of played their way out of it with that loss last week. And I mean, not that anyone really expected them to beat the Panthers, but they had a shot there for a while. But that's not really the thing where most people have been talking about from that game because they really sunk their playoff chances going into this week's game against the Vikings since they're not going to have Odell Beckham Jr. Um, You know, it's hard to run away from that. That's the big story in the NFL this week. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm assuming you guys all saw it unfold on the field. (laughs) Yeah. And then the playbook since then has been pretty interesting too. Well, it was just crazy during the game that he hadn't gotten ejected. You know, everyone was like, okay, when are the referees going to kind of step in here and, and do something? But it just never happened. And I guess I can understand why they'd be timid, uh, timid or whatever to eject like a superstar like Beckham. But I mean, he was just out of control. Well, you wonder too, it's like it's starting. I, before we talk, all the stuff that happened supposedly happened before the game. There, you you look at the you know he that right off the bat he drops that what would have been a surefire touchdown and it, it wasn't like he well, Norman wasn't on him the whole game because they would put him in the slot Norman doesn't play the slot right so he drops that surefire touchdown and I just wonder if that doesn't uh, the bats and whatever comments were or weren't said that happens and then things really just go to hell he I mean he just kind of loses his mind after that yeah. And and at one point he gets, before the fourth quarter starts, he had more personal fouls than he did catches. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I remember sitting there watching it. So I'm watching this game. I'm feeling terrible. Like I started feeling terrible Saturday and it didn't get any better Sunday. Uh But I'm watching this game because it's the the one o'clock game and the Bucks already played on Thursday night. And I, I really can't even believe what I'm seeing. Um, the, the thing about this whole situation, we'll get to the pregame stuff, which I think is mostly bullshit anyway, <laughs> um, in a minute. But just watching what unfolded on the field versus what the narrative is now, it, there's no like semblance of reality. Because the reality is, almost from start to finish of this whole debacle, Odell Beckham Jr. was the clear antagonizer the clear person who actually was instigating all this stuff. Like, you will have a hard time even finding situations up until after he speared Josh Norman where you could even say Josh Norman retaliated. Yeah. And it started off, it started off really the play after that drop. The play after that drop uh, was a running play, and all game, Odell Beckham Jr., was was being a jerk on stock blocks. And stock block is when it, you know they run the ball away from the wide receiver. The, the DB isn't likely to run all the way over there and make the play anyway. And so 
you know, that's a play. A lot of times you see them brother-in-law in a little bit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the corner doesn't really take off running. The wide receiver really doesn't go hard. But all game, Odell Beckham Jr. was going into Josh Norman's face on those star plays. So this is the first time it happened, and Josh Norman, <laughs> in retaliatory fashion, slammed him, which is funny because he's going into Josh Norman's face. As soon as Josh Norman actually locked up with him, he looks to the, to the referees looking for them to save him. And while he's looking at the referees, Josh Norman dumps him on his back. That's a football play. Yeah. We, we man up, you know, and then cheat about it. But from that point on, you got Odell Beckham Jr. throwing and landing punches. He punches Josh Norman. Hell, he punches Cortland Finnegan. <laughs> and Cortland Finnegan got the flag. <laughs> I love that Cortland Finnegan was involved in all this, by the way. <laughs> but, but, but here's the thing, though. Cortland Finnegan didn't even do anything. You know what yeah. he did? He had, he had the unforgivable sin of coming off and playing uh, Odell Beckham Jr.'s rock because the run was actually coming their way. Yeah. So he's trying to make the play. Odell Beckham Jr. punches him in the face, and he gets the flag. Cortland Finnegan gets the flag. <laughs> that's, how, that's how terrible the fucking refs were on Sunday. That was absolutely atrocious. The refs, by like by far, were the worst defenders on Sunday, in my opinion, because Odell Beckham Jr. shouldn't even been in the game to spear Josh Norman at that point in the game. Yeah, he had been he had been doing ejectable shit the whole first half, yeah. and he got the head of officials saying he actually had to call these stupid assholes and remind them they could kick somebody out of the game. How are you an NFL referee and don't know you can kick people out the game? And, and better yet, how do you keep throwing the flag on the wrong guy? Shit, the only guy, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., like once in the first half, even though he was going to guys' uh, face, you, you know, there was a play early on that people haven't really even focused on either, where Odell Beckham Jr. is running a, a, a post down the field, and Josh Norman is, is, is trailing him on the route, but the ball goes somewhere else. He turns around and goes helmet to helmet with Josh Norman, who's looking around for the football. I mean, he's pretty much a defensive receiver in that situation, Josh yeah. Norman is. And Odell Beckham Jr. turns around and goes helmet to helmet right in his face. And that's one play we nobody's even really talked about. So my thing is, this is all – I know Tom Coughlin said – it wasn't all just Odell Beckham Jr. That's bullshit. Yeah. It was all Odell Beckham Jr. Fucking Josh Norman didn't even respond until after getting speared on that play where they got fucking offsetting penalties. How crazy is that? The fucking play where Odell Beckham Jr. gets suspended for, <laughs> the fucking referees in this game saw fit to throw offsetting penalties. <laughs> And so finally he had enough and went to this to Josh uh uh to Odell Beckham Jr.'s grill. But guess what? Even then he did it straight up. He didn't fucking uh Run blast him. or or you know sure, whatever. Yeah. had some uh uh slipping. He went right in his damn grill and put him on his ass. So these people they're trying to make it seem like it's Josh Norman Fall too, you're full of shit. And I yeah. hope he wins the full for those fucking fines. Because the refs were, work, were awful and Odell Beckham Jr. was worse. Now let's talk about the shit before, before the game. 
Conveniently so timed when all this stuff started coming out before the game, I would add that it, 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 how mysterious is it the day before his appeal we start hearing all this stuff from quote unquote league sources? Right, and to to this day, Odell Beckham Jr. has not come out and said himself that he was threatened or homophobic slurs no. to him. He himself has not said that. He has been the coward hiding behind all these ex players. Letting them tell the story for him, so later on he can say, "I never said that." Yeah. So that that's cowardice of the highest order, in my opinion. Second of all, the video we do have, the guy, some no name dude by himself, a practice squad player, guy, nobody's ever fucking heard of, is pointing back at everybody, not just him, and it's a fucking. It's you if you look right at the end of that tape. It's a camera right beside him. <laughs> Literally right fucking beside him. So where's the clip of him making a fucking homophobic slur? Where's the clip of the threats? Yeah. Because there's a camera right fucking beside him. So you can kiss my ass. I'm sorry. I'm not <laughs> buying this bullshit. <laughs> it's obvious that they're trying to cop please Paul Odell Beckham Jr. And that's crap. Because he was, he was out of fucking control on Sunday for whatever reason. In his own head. And every single time it was retaliatory, he was going after people. There is, I'm going to tell you another play they don't talk about. Okay? He went after Kurt Col- Coleman's head. Yeah. Stop blocking Kurt Coleman, and instead of trying to, you know, actually block him on the side, he went after his head. Want to know why? Because the play before, on a crossing route, Kurt Coleman had roughed him up a little bit. So don't tell me this is about no pregame bullshit. This is about him being a jackass. And people should say as much. And he's and done fuck, this before. Right. And fuck his apology, too. Because if you apologize and you don't apologize to the guy, you damn near maimed and injured on the fucking field with a 10-yard head start and spear. Yeah. That could have been an end of his fucking career. Fuck you. Yeah. That's a motherfucking apology. <laughs> yeah, and that was bullshit. I mean, just and the, the whole crocodile tears around that whole thing. I'm apologize to the Giants and the fans, but not anybody else. And oh, they were calling me names. I can't believe they were calling me names. I mean, it's just it's shameless. And this is like this isn't the first time Beckham's done this kind of stuff on the field. I mean, it's probably the most egregious, but it's not the first time. Like I remember, and I, listen, I'm not one to give Greg Williams' defense the benefit of the doubt, and I'm sure it was probably. There was some probably chippy stuff going on. But last year when the Rams and Giants played, toward the second half of the season, he fucking swung a kick at Alec Ogletree. Hmm. Because of a legitimate, I mean, it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a cheap shot tackle or anything. It wasn't a hit. I mean, he didn't like, you know, Ogletree didn't hit him after the play or anything when he pushed him out of bounds. He, but Odell Beckham came up kicking at him. I didn't even hurt somebody else earlier this season. Yeah. Um, because Eli came out like earlier this week and said he had to have a talk with this guy about cutting out the bullshit. So yeah. obviously they ain't just you know, confined to this game. Yeah, and it was back in October against the Bills. He punched somebody. Right, but we, now we're supposed to believe uh, uh, some no-name dude you've never seen before who was over there by the whole fucking team. Nobody else got this offended. But saying all this shit with a fucking cameraman right Literally right beside him, and nobody has a clip of him saying the shit you said he said that made you, you know, everything was all good till you got slammed. Yeah. You know, he wasn't doing shit until you got slammed, but now all of a sudden, when you get slammed, you're, you're reminded of the threats and the homophobic slurs, I guess. Yeah. Man, you don't get the fuck. 
bad shit. Well, and then you even had the Giants punter come out this week too, Wing Brad Wing, and said that well, he never heard any of the homophobic slurs. He heard jawing, but he didn't hear any homophobic slurs. But it's like, well, if you are going to act like that every time a player jaws at you, or you know, there's some. I'm not saying slurs, right. but if there's you know there's some level of trash talk on the field between players, if you're going to go off the handle like that, that's a huge risk. You're a big risk. You're a big liability. I mean, yeah. that's the thing that was like weird to me. It's like, what you haven't ever heard someone yell something bad at you in a game before? I mean, I'm not like I'm not condoning it if that actually did happen, but it's like these people have got, they've they've had to have heard crazy stuff yelled at them before. You know, you just have to get okay. used to that. Okay, listen. And look, this is not to excuse anything. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want any way, shape, or form anybody to feel like I'm excusing any kind of gay slurs because if that, were, if that happened, regardless of circumstances, it was wrong. Right. But what I will say is, and of course, you know, ace players, when something like this come up, we call each other and kind of talk behind the scenes, man. And we just talked about some of the things we heard said on the field to other players that didn't set off this kind of a reaction, like very personal stuff. Yeah. And I'm, for instance, I'm not going to tell you what was said, but I'm just going to tell you the situation. We had a situation where we were playing, I think, the Bears, where Curtis Enos was there. And Curtis Enos got married, and there was a, a write-up about him and his wife. Mm-hmm. Now, this was before our game, and inside the article, it talked about his wife having had been a stripper prior to them <laughs> getting married. Now, <laughs> again, I'm not going to tell you what was said on the field, <laughs> but that is the context of what I'm saying happened to Curtis Angels during the course of their game, or may have been said to him during the course of their game. Curtis Ennis did not act like a jackass for three and a half quarters. Yeah. He didn't. And I'm sure he wanted to. Uh, I damn sure would have if I was him. But he did not. Because we're professional football players. Yeah. You know? Emphasis on the word professional. But you got shit to do, man. Just like Josh Norman. The thing is, you look through those first three quarters, and after he starts doing this shit, Odell Beckham Jr. is no good. Right? Yeah. He's doing getting open here, running routes. He ain't doing shit. He's a fucking head case. He catches, he, shit, when he caught a rush down on, on fourth and two on the five yard route with Josh Norman right on him, he fucks that up even by swiping his feet and getting a 15 yard stupid ass fumble. Yeah. So he's no no good. But you look at Josh Norman. He's still doing his job. He's going and making plays. He's running to the ball. He's coming on blitzes. So you see, he didn't have time for the bullshit. Only one guy did. No, and what's amazing, like, and if you're the Giants too, it's like if Odell Beckham's not producing, you're screwed. Like, because that team doesn't right. have enough. If Odell Beckham's distracted and can't catch the ball and can't run a simple route, you're fucked. Because they don't have anything besides yeah, Odell like, Beckham. Yeah, he's like their main offensive weapon. It's I, I don't you know I don't know that I mean. I've seen fights and you've seen scuffles and stuff like that, but man, I haven't really seen anything like that in a long time. And or yet, it somehow just, still it somehow is still bias. controversial. I, I've talked to people who think he shouldn't have been suspended. What? <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's. 
I think he earned that clearly. Um, but it's still somehow, you know, this is the NFL. You always get funny hot takes, but there's still some people that don't see it as a suspension thing. There's a lot of them. There's a lot more than you think. Yeah. And, I, and like I said, the reason why I'm so pissed off is because I can see why. Because with the focus on the stuff that maybe happened, yeah. the bad and the homophobic slurs that nobody evidently recorded from one of the most videotaped athletes before a game <laughs> we have ever seen. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But there's been so much focus on that that people haven't even noticed and looked and saw just how many plays. It wasn't just a handful of plays. Just how many plays this dude was a jackass. Yeah. And again, it had nothing to do with football. He wasn't playing football anymore. He was playing let's go uh, uh, and punch people or let's go and blindside people. Let's go helmet to helmet people. That's the fucking game he was playing. He was there playing football until very late in that game. And the shame of it all is, at the end, he showed what he could have done the rest of the game and his fucking head was all straight. Yep. He out Cortland Finnegan, Cortland Finnegan. <laughs> I mean, look, you beat him, and that's the thing, too. It's like, you know, it's like, if you want to shut somebody up, do what you can do as Odell yeah. Beckham Jr. Do what you did in the fourth quarter. Shut up, run around, and catch a ball. I mean, you're, you know, it's give your team a chance to win because I guarantee you there'd be a lot. The what people would this week would think how different this week would have been if the Giants beat the Panthers that week. Mm-hmm. And it might have done it. I picked them to win that game. So, shit, I thought they could have. I yeah. really did. And the end result shows that they probably could have. If their number one wide receiver was actually playing football most of the game. And look, it, let me tell you something. If you have fucked up so bad that you have me defending Courtney Finnegan, you don't really <laughs> understand just how bad you have fucked up. Because I ain't got nothing good to say about Courtney Finnegan and never been a fan. And now I got to sit up there and take up for the man because he gets a fucking 15 yard penalty because you punched him. <laughs> and he got another offensive, offensive pass interference on Finnegan in the second half, which didn't matter. Want to know why? Because Josh Norman was doing his damn job and helped make the tackle for a two yard loss on third and two. Yeah. But like I said, people haven't fo- focused on just how many plays he fucked up, just how many plays. He hurt his team. And then let me top it all off with this, too, because this particularly was galling to me. I saw some people praising uh, his sideline tirade, which was the most selfish, self-centered bullshit I've heard in my fucking life. Yeah. He's telling everybody else what they ain't doing when he's the one that's hurting the fucking team down near the whole game. Huh? Listen. So... Did, you know, immediately my thoughts went to this. That tirade that he went on was exactly the tirade that people presumed Des Bryant went on a couple of years ago when they were all going to be done with him. That's exactly the yeah. tirade that jackasses like, uh, uh, what's, his, what's the dude that got his own little personal blog now and went to Fox Sports 1 instead of uh, Whitlock. It's yeah, the same that's right. Fucking that Whitlock thought Des Bryant went on and chastised him about a couple of years ago, and now you got some people that are actually praising 
this guy for it. That goes to show you how much it matters whether somebody, some of these guys like you or not, or think mm-hmm. you're a good guy or not. Because there's no fucking way if Des Ryan gives those same exact words on his sideline that he would have been chastised from Alpha to Omega by this one in the week. Oh, shit. Can you imagine if Des Bryant did half the shit on the field that Beckham did last week? Can you imagine what would him, happen? Man, they'd have wanted him fucking banned and cut and some more shit to Oh, them. hell. Mike Florio would have been out there looking for the Walmart security tape. <laughs> that doesn't exist. I mean, you know, it just, it's crazy. It's, it's, what, it just, what, it's just, a, I mean, as an incident, I mean, I, like I say, I haven't, I don't remember seeing anything like this in the last five years or so. I mean, it's really just, you know, I know we've had some wild shit off the field, but on the field stuff, this is sort of, in terms of, that's not a specific play or anything like that, you know? Yeah, that was, yeah, it was crazy. So what can and and here's the thing now it's like all right well now the Giants who could have won the shitty NFC East I mean still aren't mathematically eliminated now they have to go play the Minnesota Vikings the nine five Minnesota Vikings without their best player on the field right <laughs> so they've essentially see Odell because of that bullshit they've essentially seeded Odell Beckham I mean Odell Beckham has essentially seeded them their chance to make the playoffs this year. And probably going to cost Tom. I mean, this is probably the excuse that the Giants front office needed to, to come after Tom Coughlin at the end of the season. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but this is really, this is what I've heard is that the Giants front office is not pleased with Coughlin to begin with this season. And he was already on pretty thin ice, obviously, and was probably going to get the boot anyway. But this, excuse, this now gives them what they need to pull the trigger at the end of the season. You know, I kind of feel like Coughlin has taught them a lesson in years past. Because I, I feel like they've been wanting to fire him for like a decade. Yeah. So every time they actually get up the courage to do it, he ends up having a Super Bowl run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think what they've learned is, look, if we give this guy another year, he just might actually make us keep him again. So <laughs> they had a bad year. It looks like they're going to end on a sour note. And they were like, look, if we're going to do this, we better do it now. And he's an older guy. They probably want some fresh blood in there anyway. But, yeah, I, I do feel like history has taught them that if they don't do it now, they might not get a chance next year. So I look for him to go ahead and get out of there. Yeah. And then that's, I think it'll be one of those, not even with the, the famous San Francisco mutual parting of ways that they did with Harbaugh. I think this is just like he straight up retires. You know what I mean? <laughs> The forced retire behind the scenes forced retirement. It is kind of crazy that all the, the this game could have that kind of create like big re- repercussions. You know, like they probably if if he'd been like playing like a normal like himself, they could have won that game. Now they might lose this game because of like like a big reason because of that. Yeah, and then now the coach could be gone. Like a huge like. I mean, just think what the repercussions, I mean, think about, this is obviously, it's a huge story. Think about what the story would have been if this would have happened any week but Christmas week. <laughs> I mean, right. everybody's busy and out doing traveling and shopping and doing all that stuff. You know, this is not the week where, you know, like a week ago even, where everyone goes into work on Monday morning and spends all day just fucking consuming all this stuff that they can and they have all week to do it. I mean, this would have been even... An even bigger story had it happened in any yeah. week. I mean, not that it's not a big story because people aren't looking at it as much, but it's still, I mean, it, it, just the reverberation from it. 
Wasn't Josh Norman mic'd up during the game? Yeah. So have we heard that yet? That hasn't come out yet, and I'll be interested <laughs> to see what NFL Films does with that. They're going to like have to edit out the whole thing. <laughs> you know, they're probably going to like, I don't know, it seems like they probably would not put a whole lot in there. They might not be able to. But you know what? I wonder if that would have any of the stuff, because you know those guys are mic'd up before the game, too. Right. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like, people were like, wasn't he mic'd up? Like, can't they check? And I don't know. I think it came out later that it wasn't Norman with the uh, with the homophobic slur. Conveniently. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, he was mic'd up. (laughs) Go listen to that. But you know what? The thing about it is people have conflated the two all all, uh, week because of Deion Sanders making it seem like it was Josh Norman. Yeah. And that's another reason why the story is so muddied now. Because whether he's mic'd up or not, listen, again, Odell Beckham Jr. has the camera on him all the time. Probably microphones yeah. too. So if they want to find out if this was said during the game, it would be very easy. NFL Films is always there. Yeah. Whether they release it or not, the NFL could have said, we need to hear this and see this right away. And obviously those clients would have been specified for that kind of uh, 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 behavior. Yeah. The vines that we know about were for like a face mask and something else. Yeah. So, again, if this happened, it's not like we wouldn't know by now. Yeah. And I don't think anybody from the, with the homophobic slurs, I don't think, like you had the giant sources and some of the players saying that they heard threats and, and language, but nobody from the, no official, there was no official report from the team or the players about the homophobic remarks either. Only the people that Odell Beckham Jr. lead to. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? I mean, that's the cra- you know, there's another lesson in all this, just how the NFL media, I mean, this is where, obviously, this is fascinating to me for <clears throat> reasons that it's probably not to a, a, a lot of folks out there. But, I mean, just how the NFL media works on a story like this. Deion Sanders, you're, you, Deion Sanders confused the issue. <laughs> it's like suddenly you're, you can't, Deion Sanders isn't a reporter. He's fine as a commentator. That's fine. That's his job. But it's like you can't go out there and take this as reporting and, you know, it's it's just Michael, like the Jaworski thing yesterday. Oh yeah, that was Michael, Michael Irvin did it too. Michael Irvin went to the New York yeah. Daily News, quote unquote, exclusive, saying the same exact thing. Yeah. All of them. This is what he said. What's missing? Him actually coming out and saying it. Yeah, yeah, and then didn't say a damn word about it. I mean, Beckham never said even what the Giants and other Giants players were saying. Didn't say that he was threatened. Didn't say that the Bats thing set him off or anything like that. He just he didn't say anything. He just came out with that kind of bullshit apology and that was it. Oh, and by the way, the report is it didn't even come up in a disciplinary hearing. Yeah. Which, hmm. which kind of says to me that maybe that they did have, you know, because NFL Films is there and there is enough cameras around a Giants and Odell Beckham before the game, like you said, Stephen, that they probably have a pretty good body of evidence to, to show that that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Strangely, <laughs> because I can't imagine now, not that I would trust the NFL's investigative arm to the fullest extent, but, uh, you know, the, the resources, this isn't like trying to make up science about footballs. This is run the tape. Right. Oh, man, what a week. And that's kind of funny because it really was not, like, it was not that interesting of a week of games. 
beat. No, I mean, is there a, yeah, any game that map. really stood out to you guys from this week as just like, whoa? <clears throat> I mean, the uh, the Steelers-Broncos was good, as we expected. Um, <laughs> and that's about it. Well, let's, let's segue well, from that. I'll, look, I'll say this. Um, the Bengals 49ers game. <laughs> and, yeah. and it was only interesting from this aspect. We saw that the Bengals could actually win uh, with the backup behind center without Andy Dalton under center. Mm-hmm. He didn't play, you know, fantastic, but he played good enough. And that defense looked fantastic. So, you know, I had a lot of questions before Sunday. And I think now I, I don't think they'll go deep in the playoffs, but I think they'll be okay uh, yeah. with their kid behind the center. And they didn't have was I I know Eifert's probably out the rest of the season regular season too, which that doesn't help to have your tight end like that out of out of the game, especially for a backup quarterback. But hey, congratulations to AJ McCarron, the first Alabama quarterback to win in the NFL since 1988. That's insane to me. That's the weirdest stat ever. Yeah. Like, how how do you win that many national championships without a quarterback good enough to start and win a game? <laughs> I mean, that's really weird. It's the Trent Richardson mystery. It's like, how is Trent Richardson a Heisman candidate in, in at Alabama? And then he comes to the NFL, and it's like, what the hell happened? I don't know. I, I, don't. <laughs> I, love the, I love the Alabama thing in your Haas last week, Steven. Oh yeah, yeah. Just trying, to, trying to help. Just trying to help out. Did you get any? Did you get any emails or tweets about that? Uh, I got a couple of tweets, but you know. <laughs> hey, Alabama Twitter's got nothing on FSU Twitter, so. Oh no, no, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not messing around with those guys. Well, let's. I, I do want to talk about because the Steelers and the Broncos are two kind of interesting teams right now, and probably the two. Most interesting teams to be watching down the stretch, in my opinion, because now you got the Broncos, who suddenly are in danger of not making the playoffs. I mean, it's a long shot, but it could still happen. And they play the Bengals this week, which is no easy task. Yeah, I mean, so they're ten and four. Chiefs are chasing them at nine and five. Yeah, they could definitely drop out, and at at the end of this week, they could be in the. Uh, like the wild card discussion. So what ha- what's happened to the Broncos? I mean, I don't think anything different, honestly. It's like their offense just hasn't been good enough. Um, you know, Brock Osweiler came on the scene, and, and people kind of think got excited about that because he was obviously – I mean, it's hard to be worse than what Manning was doing, honestly. He was like the worst quarterback in the NFL at that point. And I actually saw someone point out – He's actually still leading the NFL in interceptions, Peyton Manning is, uh, and he hasn't played in five games. Um, but the bottom line is their, their offense just isn't as good as it needs to be, I think. The defense can definitely dominate and, and in some cases can carry them, but I think they're just so one-sided at this point that it makes it really hard for them to um, – I mean, they just don't have any margin for error. Well, and part of it, too, I mean, and, and, and it's easy, you know, the media tends to conflate it as a Brock Osweiler versus Peyton Manning thing. But I just, I look back at that Khalil Mack game two weeks ago where he had five sacks against the Broncos and the Raiders beat the Broncos. I, I don't know that Peyton Manning would have survived that game. Yeah. 
I mean, and, and to me, that speaks to the Broncos' bigger problem they've had this season. That offensive line sucks ass. It does, but but I have to say this. Brock Osweiler isn't helping them in the second half either. Sure. And that was a, a small, subtle thing that I threw in there when, when I was talking about Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, he, he he's very good with his steps and, and being on rhythm in the first half of games. And so if they can get up big on you and they can actually punch it in with touchdowns in the first half, they can get up on you and you can't really come back because then their defense can pin their ears back and come after you. Yeah. But if they don't, if they end up kicking field goals and allowing you to stay in the game, well, in the second half, you know, now all of a sudden he's taking seven step drops, but they're like eight and a half step drops. And he's not getting the ball out of his hand, so he's getting set. Or he's having to move around, and, and now he, he can't throw in the rhythm. Uh, the wide receivers are out of whack because they don't know, do they still run a route? Do they try to go into scramble mode? And all of a sudden now you get a bunch of three and outs. Yeah. So that, that outstanding defense is having so much more pressure put on them in second halves. And look, they, that's been them all season. You know, as Dana, Dana pointed out, uh, Hayden kept putting them in, in bad positions because he kept throwing the football to the other team. So they've been through this all season. But, man, sometimes at some point you're going to have that breaking point. And, and that's kind of what we've seen here recently because, you know, the defense cannot carry this team by themselves in the second half. They just yeah. can't do it. Especially when you're not, you know, scoring touchdowns in the first half. So to me – that offensive line needs some work, and, and they aren't great, but they would be helped tremendously if Brock Osweiler kept his mechanics just as tight in the second half as he did in the first half. Yeah. Is that, I mean, is it just, is it, is it a developmental thing? I mean, do you think it's more in mean, the offense, or maybe he just, this is where, this is who the guy is? I think he gets anxious in the second half. I think that he wants to make plays. I think he wants to be the man. Mm-hmm. But in turn, that kind of gets him a little out of whack because he's pressing a little too hard. Yeah. Now, other guys make plays too, let's be honest. And uh, 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 what's his name? 88. Demarius. Uh, Demarius Thomas has had more than his share of drops recently. So yeah. he hasn't been yeah. helping him either. But if he at least, you know, settled down, got his footwork under control, now he's at least getting the ball out of there a lot quicker. Because with him in the first half, it, that looks almost like a West Coast offense. That's how quickly he's getting the ball out, getting it to the right guy, letting them make plays for him. But in the second half, it's like Noah Turner is calling all the plays. <laughs> and I, I don't necessarily mean that in a good way. No, exactly. <laughs> we can't use North Turner's name and call him the plays in, in any – there's no positive connotation there. I mean, I feel sorry for Teddy Bridgewater this season. And now this is – so this will be a pretty big game for the Broncos and for the Bengals this week because, I mean, this is probably the game – that is going to do more to shape the overall AFC playoff picture because if the Broncos win, I mean, that takes them out of the – that removes their chance of elimination from the playoff race entirely. Now, the Chiefs can still – I think the Chiefs might – I wouldn't necessarily be surprised to see the Chiefs sneak in there and get that top seed but or to get the AFC West championship. But the, the – um, Oh, shit, I lost my train of thought. I hate when that happens. <laughs> damn it. Um, damn, I blame, I blame Twitter. Derailed. I, wasn't even, I don't even have Twitter open, and my, my attention span is shot to hell. So I don't, 
But uh, this because the Bengals and Broncos play, and then they both have kind of a soft game in Week 17. And that also, you got the Steelers who finish out the season with the Ravens and the Browns. Now, they're on the road in those two games, but given the state of the Ravens and the Browns, I don't think it should be a huge problem for the Steelers. Right. So they could leap over Cincinnati, depending on how things shake out this week. Or they could at least, I mean, I think they're going to be a lock for the wild card no matter what, but that's pretty, well, not necessarily because you got the Jets at 9-5 too, but. So that's kind of the game to watch, and, 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 which is all a long way of saying that seems like the game to watch this week. Yeah, definitely. A.J. McCarron versus Brock Osweiler, which is exactly the prime, <laughs> the prime matchup you were always excited about in Week 16. That's the kind of season it's been, I feel like. Yeah, and credit to these two teams because, you know, they're built well. These are teams that can, you know, compensate for that. Yeah, and the Bengals are probably the deepest team in the NFL. I said that the, the whole season, uh, and I think they've shown that. But um, it's just so so hard to lose your starting quarterback. I mean, the Broncos situation is a little different, I think, of, of course. But, yeah, I mean, coming in this late with uh, the backup is it typically almost always means you're, you're not going to go very far. I mean, look at what the Cardinals did last year. Um, you know, yeah. they – they managed to survive without without Carson Palmer, but then took a first round exit in the playoffs. And so, I don't know. It, it's uh, I still think the Bengals are dangerous, but I, I just don't see them as real threats without Andy Dalton. Which is and what a weird world we live in, where you would say that in in I know, the, it's on the December twenty fourth of the season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is that irony? I don't know. I never, <laughs> I never remember what irony is, but. Um, yeah, because people you know, always talk about how Andy Dalton folds completely in the playoffs. But I think, yeah, without him, I don't know. It, it's just going to be – I just don't think that – I mean, I just I would say that about literally any NFL team pretty much. Like if you don't have your starting quarterback, you're pretty much screwed. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the Cardinals, and that's an interesting team right now. Obviously, they're 12-2. and two. They've already locked down the NFC West division. And as mm-hmm. good as Seattle's been, they're not. There's no way that the Seahawks can overtake them for that now. They've locked up, in all probability, a, a, a first round bye. I mean, it's not official yet, but it's 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 hard to imagine another team kind of coming in and getting a first round bye because they have two games over the next best team in the league, which is the Packers. So, mm-hmm. um, but now you've got a situation where the Cardinals have suddenly lost Tyrone Matthew. Yeah. How does that? I mean, how's that going to work for them? How do they compensate for that? Because obviously, you know, here's a guy that was an outside candidate for defensive player of the year. Right. And that's how good he's been this season. He plays all over for him. So that's, you know, definitely going to be interesting. And Steven and I talked about that a little bit in our conversation this week. And he pointed out, you know, it gave Arizona the, uh, like the, it's nice for them because they can, they can run a whole bunch of different stuff out of the same personnel and they don't have to change things up for him, you know, like bring in different guys, bring in some package guys, because he can play so many different roles. So that's that's been a nice luxury for them. So they'll probably have to change that up now, you know, and bring in specialists if they want a certain specific look. Um, you know, the good news is they have a lot of depth on defense. You know, they've got a lot of really good defensive backs, and, and you know, they've played without him before because he tore his ACL a couple years ago, too. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so they kind of, I think they, you know, they have like a, a blueprint for what they can do still, but it's a huge loss just because he, he's such a playmaker, such a ball hawk. Um, you know, I, I think it, it's going to make a big difference, but I think they're going to be okay. Um, you know, I still think they're going to be really, really strong defense, but he, he does, they do lose kind of that, that big play, uh, you know, ability. Well, here's one of the issues I, you know, here's kind of the problem I see for that though, is Arizona, I mean, Arizona's playoff spots locked up. They don't have to worry about that, but they have the Packers and the Seahawks on the schedule still. Wow. Yeah. That's not an easy finish. (laughs) No. And those are two teams, the way they play. You, 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 a guy like Terry and Matthew would obviously be an advantage to have on the field. No doubt. Yeah, and I mean, Arizona right now, I'm looking at takeaways. They've got 29 takeaways, which is third in the NFL behind Kansas City and Carolina. Um, and I know that not all of those are due to Tyron Matthew, but I think he gives them that element or where the, it's, um, you know, he's either getting interceptions or fumbles or, you know, he's in the right place. He's a good blitzer. Um, you know, there's just so many things that he does for them that I think they're, I mean, obviously they're going to miss him a lot. For sure. For sure. For sure. Um, so, and then that's, oh, that's the Cardinals and the Packers are this week and the Cardinals and the Seahawks are next. Which, interesting because the Seahawks, I guess will be, I mean, yeah, that'll, it'll be an interesting thing for the, uh, for the old uh, playoff picture then in the NFC. So this is actually a bigger week than maybe it was last week, obviously. Yeah, the Seahawks still haven't locked up their seed in terms of right now they're the five seed. Um, but they're still, they could still end up being the six seed. And so that would obviously change the dynamic of instead of going and playing at NFC East winner, which looks like a like the best draw you can get in the NFC, really. Yeah. I mean, as a wild card team. <clears throat> they could be playing the Packers. Right. So they could be, you know, it's going to change. Like if they lose or if, um, you know, obviously if they win out, they, they keep the five seed. But if they lose one of these last two games, it could get interesting for them and really change what they have to do. On well, the Seahawks have the Rams this week. Yeah. Which is the always nemesis. an interesting game yeah. between those the two. Rams are always the nemesis. I hate the Rams. <laughs> So do I. So do I. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sort of. <laughs> I don't know. When I read all the stuff about Jeff. I told. I said. I said Jeff Fisher was going to con- contract extension. Sure as shit. He's not. Did going he anywhere. get extended? No, yet? he hasn't gotten extended yet. But there's. It's basically yeah. the consensus is like he's no. not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Wow. Losing season, another, well, he can still go 8-8, eight eight, so I can't say losing season aside, but. Who do they have the last the, week? The Seahawks and the Cardinals. Or no. Yeah, the Seahawks, no, fuck, who do they, the Seahawks and the 49ers. Oh, okay. So. so they're probably a seven-win team, by all likelihood. Probably, yeah, because they're in Seattle this week, so. So hey, that's that'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time in I think three or four years that the Rams haven't actually played in Seattle or played Seattle in Week Seventeen. Right. Yeah. They usually schedule that for like the the finale. They always do that in the NFC West. I don't know. I mean, I, I imagine it's pretty similar for a lot of teams, but the NFC West has always been like. A couple of division win, a couple of division, big division games to end the season. The last yeah. several year, several years. 
Yeah, well, and even going back to when the old NFC worst days, when it was oh, like, yeah. to see who would win the seven and nine. Well, yeah, that was the year the Seahawks. You know, the Seahawks hosted a division the game. The Beastquake uh, year. The Beastquake game was a winner into the playoffs game against the Rams in Week 17, where Charlie Whitehurst started and won the game. That's right. <laughs> so. Well, well now, didn't uh, a few years back they changed the scheduling to make sure that there were a couple of division games at the end? Yeah, because yeah they always like, people had people started arresting people and stuff. Yeah, because they yeah. and they always end up flexing. The game that gets flexed is usually one that's going to decide the division too. So we're probably going to have an in a, we could have an NFC East game in prime time to finish off the season again. Yeah, yeah that's let's yeah. get the playoffs started already. Come on now. What do you guys think of the NFC East? Who's going to win? Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody wins. We all lose. I, I mean, the crazy, questions about it. The craziest thing about that question is that one of the answers could be the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, the same Philadelphia Eagles that got beat what, like ninety to seven two weeks in a row, a combined ninety. To, I mean, yeah. how are they still in contention? And I know, okay, they got the quarterback back, but nobody was talking to Sam Bradford when he first got hurt. No. A lot of people were thinking, "Hey, this actually might be a good thing." <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and, and Sam Bradford's not the kind of quarterback that just is going to put the fear of God into you on a Sunday afternoon either. You know what I mean? Uh, listen, yeah. nothing about this season makes any sense. That's all I know. No, and Washington might be just on paper have more talent than any other team in that division right now, but it's also Washington. Right. <laughs> uh, what the way that Cousins is playing? Well, the way with the way Cousins is playing, and with the way uh, Deshaun Jackson is playing, yeah, right, that yeah. dude is out of his mind right now. And I know he kind of sort of lost the game the other week, trying to make a play, but he made a couple of big plays in that game as well. So, I mean, with the way they're pushing the ball down the field now between the two of them, yeah. like I said, who really even knows who's going to win this division? Oh yeah, and, and Jackson's really outstanding. I mean, it's it's really. I saw Bomani talking about that on Twitter a little bit the other day, and of course, like the cousins people just attacked him for saying that, <laughs> for some odd, you know, for some weird Kirk Cousins logic reason. But this is this is life on the NFL beat. See, I think like right now because I get this question all the time: like, who do like Seahawks fans want the Seahawks to play in the playoffs? And I think my answer would be you'd rather have New York or Philly than Washington. I just feel like Washington might be the best of the bunch. But I don't really know. Because like, then again, like you said, then again, that's Washington. And, um, you know, they look like garbage at other times, too. So I, yeah. I had a Washington. I, I, so I, I checked my email yesterday, and there's some weird one in there. And it's, the subject line is, you got to be kidding. <laughs> so I know right off the bat what this is something. This is yeah, we can see what is going. On. Yeah, I, I know this is going to be something, but I got to read it anyway because there's some other email. Some guy that's been emailing me every week with this like, like unhinged stream of consciousness <laughs> weekly analysis of the NFL, and it, like it's kind of funny. And I like you know I email back the guy saying thank you, I appreciate it, blah blah blah. But um, but so I get this one, and it's like they want to not only make a bet with me, they want to fight me. 
over picking oh, that, Philly no. over Washington this week. That's what you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you know. <laughs> when they resort to fisticuffs, it is never going to turn out. That's just what. Oh man, I, I love it. I love it. I mean, I, you know, the, the unhinged emails are really the best. I mean, that's the that's the primary reason to use email anymore. Is so you get just the nuts. The nuts can get a hold of you when they need to. When they need to vent a little bit, it's going to be like getting those letters where they cut out the pictures from a ma- cut out the letters from a magazine <laughs> and paste them on there to make a uh-huh. sentence or a threat to you. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the uh, that, that, that's how technology has disrupted the nut job. <laughs> well, uh, let's see. We're coming up on an hour, and it's the holidays, so like you know, we've got cookies and stuff to eat. I don't know about you guys, but this is I, I've got some binging to do here. Not yet. Well, you already know. I got to get ready for Sunday, you know what I mean? Sunday's a long day, you don't get you don't get to take a lot of breaks, so I got to carb up now. I got two or three pre-game meals already lined up. So <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, guys, um happy holidays to you. Yeah. And uh happy holidays to the folks listening in. Feel free Enjoy to, the short free, break. Feel free to email us with your threats. <laughs> I got an email the other day, Ryan, based on the Tumblr account. Oh, nice. Like, they, the person that emailed me was mocking me for something I said on the Tumblr. Great. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Hey, man, look, look, that just shows that you are a social media maven. You're a master of another level of social media where you get more hate mail. Congrats. Oh, yeah. I always look at it kind of like a compliment because it's like I don't list my email anywhere like major. And so I'm like, they probably, they had to like look up. Yeah. They had to like take that extra step of like, I got to find this guy's fucking email so I can fucking email him and tell him what's up. He's he's probably on Tumblr because he's looking for porn (laughs) and he came across football. Because I I, I didn't realize Tumblr was for for anything but pornography. We should just call call it football porn. That would probably get a lot of hits. Oh, shit. <laughs> but then again, your emails That's will get a lot weirder real fast. That's true. Yeah, you definitely don't want that. I remember uh, in the Turf Show, t- you probably get this too, Danny, from the team blog scene, but like you'd get, like you'd look at your statistics and you'd find all these search results for like Sam yes. Bradford shirtless. Those are the best. I love those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some real, real random ones in there. <laughs> oh man alright guys uh, let's uh, well, let's watch the games and then we'll reconvene and, and talk about it all again next week and next week we should have a lot more playoff stuff to talk about alright sounds good alright guys happy holidays enjoy it likewise happy holidays